Brother Andrew to come. Let's sing Rejoice. Well, I remember way back when I was living in darkness. Yeah, he shone the light around me so I could clearly see my way out. When the lamb arose to play, I clearly saw Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Praise be to God. Amen. I want to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so good to be in his house, isn't it? Amen. It's good to be here on a Friday for the young peoples. And I know for some of you it's a week late, but we're here. We made it. Amen. Amen. And I'm so happy to see every one of you. Certainly appreciate and love each one of you. It's so good to serve the Lord together with you. You know, it's, it's not that one's serving and one's not, but we're, we're in this together. You know, that's, the world seems to have taken that and said, we're in this together fighting COVID. No, we're in it together fighting the devil. We're, we're, we're shoulder to shoulder as young people. We're shoulder to shoulder. We got to stand together. One's got to step out and the rest of you got to follow. Amen. Amen. Because we're in this fight and we're not on the losing side. 
There is no retreat. It's amazing to know we have a general that's never sounded retreat. He's never gotten to a war and decided, oh, man, I, we better go back. Run. It's too hard. No, no. He just keep going forward. Amen. And when it gets too hard for the soldiers, he knows how to step in and make sure we win every time. Amen. Amen. You can have your seats for a, a, about a minute or two. And uh, I just want to bring you a, a bit of an update on the, on the skit. This will be a little bit more regular now until we uh, perform it. But uh, um, if you're doing, I'll just say do it quickly. If you're doing an acting role, please make sure that you read the story. Please make sure you read it. I know some of you have, some of you haven't. Um, but if you're in the acting, please read the story. Uh, if you're writing a song or thinking about a song that would go with it, read the story, see if it would fit, and, and uh, you know, pray about it as well. And that's, that's I'm going to say, is the most important part. When you approach your part, just pray about it. You say, well, maybe my part's a bit more of a comedic part. Or, but, you know, even that, God can use it. He's got a sense of humor. God has a sense of humor. That's right. And uh, so... Approach it prayerfully and say, Lord, what, how would you have me to bring about this character and bring it to life? Um, but I would also like to, to meet with the actors. Um, I'll say it this way. After each uh, youth service, I'll meet with a group of actors from each scene. That way we can kind of give you some ideas, see what you have for ideas, and, and kind of get you off the ground in, in writing the lines that you want to write and making sure they fit. Um, I will say I did change a couple of the roles. I know with the Jonathan Nunwiler, your role is going to change a little bit still. But uh, it's, as it expands and as it grows, there's going to be more for you to do. So don't worry. Uh, Sister Savannah, I know we had you in a flex role. Now you're a secretary. God bless you. And you're in so many different scenes. It's, you got lots of parts. It's okay. And, uh, but it's good. And uh, we appreciate that. And if, if there's a role, if, you're, if you look at it, I just want to make it known to you. I, I think I said it last time, but if you look at the script and you decide, you know what, I, I'm not comfortable playing this part, just, just come talk to me and we'll, we'll work it out. That's no problem. Um, and uh, having said that, next Friday youth service, so not next Friday, but the Friday after, so two weeks from today, on the 19th, I said 19th, um, I'm going to ask to meet with these people, so please Put this on your calendar. This is the one exception. Take out your phone if you have to to make a note right now or something. But I'm going to meet with you, Sister Ruth, along with Sister Aaliyah, and uh, Sister Savannah, and Brother Brandon, and Brother Ethan. And also, if Brother Josiah O'Million is here, I'll meet with him as well. Uh, they're all part of what is scene two, block one. So we'll meet with you all together in the probably in the office where the musicians meet, and we'll just go over some ideas and uh, kind of get you off the ground working on your parts. And, uh, and then the next young people service after that, we'll meet with a different um, group. Even though you will notice some of you who have a bigger part, Brother Ethan, Sister Savannah, Brother Brandon, you'll get to meet with me a few times, so it's great. Amen. All right, so that's, that's most of the announcements, and, uh, but I'm, I, I'm excited to hear the word tonight. Aren't you? Amen. Amen. I appreciate that special, Brother Mark. That was good. Amen. He said, well, that's a song we sing as a congregational, but it's good when it comes from the heart. He said, you know, my, my chains are gone. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound 
has saved a wretch like me. There isn't one of us that ever had anything to do with it, not by works, thus any man should boast, but it was by the grace of God that we're even seated in these pews, that we've seen the light of the hour, that the message came by our way. When there's many people that are struggling and groping in, in darkness, we sing that song, the whole world's groping in darkness, but he gave us light to see. Amen. Imagine how he loves you and me. We really sit in a privileged place, not to sit on hard wooden pews, but rather to sit in the presence of Almighty God. Amen. And I, I was just thinking about a scripture in Second Peter before we invite Brother John. I don't have a sword drill, so I thought I'd take a minute or two and, and uh, talk about in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, Peter would write, he says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Amen. In other words, don't just put it to chance. Don't just say, well, I was married into, or I married into this, or I was born into this, or this is just the way it happened. Therefore, well, I'm here, come what may. No, make it sure. Make sure that you know God called you. Make sure you know that you were elected before the foundation of the world. How can I make sure of that? It's simple. Stay in the word of God. Stay in prayer. Seek for his face and have an experience with him. When that experience is there and you get the new birth, then you know it's more sure than anything, I was elected. Because the only way you can ever be born again is to be elected at the beginning, is to be predestinated. But now he says, make it sure. He says, if, for, if these things, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy falling. I think we can all say that. Not naturally, not spiritually. There's no part of me that likes to trip over my own shoes and fall flat on my face. I don't enjoy falling off of something. All right? Are you with me? Maybe you like that. You enjoy that? And just, you know, somebody, you're in the back of the truck, somebody press the gas, you fall off and, ah, get hurt. Maybe you tumble over the quad and get hurt. Nobody enjoys that. No one says, yeah, let's do that again. No, no. I don't enjoy it. Neither is it spiritually. I don't enjoy falling flat on my face spiritually. So, God, what was I thinking? What happened there? Nobody enjoys this. But if you do these things, if you seek diligently, seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling, the scripture would say, do those things and you will never fall. You won't be privy to that, that, that feeling of complete failure when you fall and flat on your face. But rather, he says, Sir, so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into, an, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be neglect, I will not be neglect, negligent, there we go. My Bible splits that word up and I can't hardly read it. Got a hyphen in there. Negligent. To put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth, now, I don't know about you, but we, I could say that being raised in the message. I got lots of young people sitting up here that are raising the message. You say, I, I know it. You know, when somebody stands up here and says, Brother Branham said, you're like, yeah, I know. And the Bible says, yeah, I know. I read it too. My parents read that to me when I was a kid. And this one read it to me. And I read it the other day in my, my own devotions. I know. Right? We all, we all got that. You say, we know it. But he says, I'm still going to remind you of it. I'm still going to, no, I won't be negligent of bringing it back to your memory so that you understand this is important. I'm saying this for a reason. He says that, that, that this is, I, I won't be negligent that to put you always in remembrance of these things, though, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you 
in remembrance. There was a purpose of it, to stir something up within you. You might not in your flesh or in your spirit think of it, but there's something in the soul, something on the inside. If there's a seed of God in there, that when it hears the word of God, it starts to get stirred up. That's why we preach. That's why we come to young people's. That's why we come to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I know right now we can't make every service, but I encourage you, especially as a young person, make as many services as you possibly can. Be there at 9 o'clock and, and, and push the button. Book now, book now, book now. Say, my dad, my mom aren't going. I still want to be there. Why? Because this is the time. There's something that is in your heart that needs to be stirred up. So that, you, that it would take a hold in your life. That, that it would have a preeminence over everything else in your life. And I want to just read, Brother Branham, I've been studying this message, the unveiling of God. And it's been a phenomenal uh, uh, blessing to me. And Brother Branham says, 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 now we are invited into him to be partakers of all that he is. Oh my, that's a great invitation. That's what the Word of God is here to do. That's what the presence of God is here to do. It's an invitation to you saying, come and be a partaker of all that Christ Jesus is. Amen. He says, we're invited into him, which is hid to the unbelievers by the veil of human flesh. He says, they know that, they know that glory. They read of it. Unbelievers read of it in the Bible. They say it in the Word here, the glory of God and things like that. But it's just a word to them. But to us, it's a manifestation. That's what we are to come to. That's what we're coming to, is that to us, it wouldn't just be words on a page and words Brother John's going to preach and words that Brother Andrew would preach and words that Brother Ed would preach and words that Brother Branham would preach and words that my parents would say, but it would be a manifestation in our lives so that we would know the glory of God. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Amen. And it's not by us working ourselves up, but rather it's an extended invitation to the believer to say, won't you just come up a little higher? It's no more a word. It's a reality. See, God said, let there be light. That was the word. But now there's light. You can't deny it came to pass. You can't deny it and say, no, no, there's no light. No, you'd be blind. There's light. The word of God came to fast. He says, see, it ain't the word, it's the light. You see, that's exactly what it is when we're preaching and bringing to you remembrance these things. It's not just to fall on deaf ears, but rather that one day, and may this be the day, that it would take on life in you. Oh my, Brother John, I might just preach now. <laughs> God bless you, buddy. Amen. That it could take hold in your life so you could recognize I'm called to something greater. I'm called to a higher kingdom that cannot be shaken. Oh, isn't God good? Let's stand together. Ain't God good to give us so many blessings? I wonder if we could sing, not, not that song, but I want to sing a different song. Do you know that song, Undefiled, Real Pure Lives? Amen. Brother Sam, I mean, you sang all the hard songs tonight, so this one should be easy. God bless you. Amen. Undefiled, real pure lives, walking holy and upright. Keep that flag flying high by living clean. 
presence that's in this place, Lord Jesus. Lord, how we love you and we worship you, oh God. Lord, we love you for all that you do for us, Lord, for all that, for your delivering power, for your saving power, for your keeping power, oh God. Lord, we just want to come now into this place. Lord, I just pray that you'd come and take the songs that have been sung, the words that have been spoken, Lord, and I pray that you could come and anoint this part now, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us and we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to musicians. and Thank you, Brother Sam. How many enjoyed the song service today? Amen. That was good. That was very good. You can all, uh, we'll turn to the book of John chapter 5 and John chapter 11. How many is happy to be in young people's tonight? Amen. I was thinking... Uh, we appreciate the last young people service Brother Max took. Can these bones live? And I believe that people stepped forward, and I believe that bones began to live. And I was thinking also of Brother Andrew's challenge that he had put, I think, in the last young people service on stay focused on your part. 
How many wants to do that? Just remember your part this year. We can do that literally with a skit coming up, and we can do that and look spiritually to say, God, what would you have me to do? Where do I focus? What do I do? And we're looking forward to the skit. And uh, I was just, before we maybe get into this scripture for a second, I was, we've been saying that there will be young people in the rapture. And I believe that we can all say, I believe that. But what's really easy to say is, I don't believe I'm part of that. It's really easy for the devil to start to say that here, to say, I can see that brother's in and that sister's in, but I can't see myself in. I can see myself and my own failings and my own faults. I can see where I'm at. I can see that my struggle, I've gone too far, or my struggle will never be dealt with. Or, or, or I could say, John, I don't even feel like trying. Or, or I could say, John, if the rapture comes, people are saying that the rapture is coming. But if it comes so soon, and I was only 14, what would I miss out on? That's a real thought. But did you know God could make a heaven that's so beyond anything on this earth that you think you'll miss out on? Anything on this earth that you think would hold you back, you won't miss out for a second. And we can also say, God, John, I, I can see that God's moving on everyone's life. I can see God move through young people's services and regular services. I can see people at the altar. But it feels like God's forgotten me. I'm so, Brother Andrew, what you said about remembrance. The title tonight is Unforgotten by God. And I want to say to every person here that feels like God's passed them over, that feels like God has just looked at everyone else but them, God has not forgotten you. I, I struggled a little bit, but we're going to go right back to the same scripture Brother Max was taking back in December, I think. The water is troubled. Who can step in? And I want to look at one man in the story. In John chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. And from my quick study of Hebrew, Beit meant house, and Hesa meant God, the, God's loving kindness. This was the house of God's loving kindness. Having five porches, sounds a lot like church. In this place lay a great multitude of impotent folks, of blind, of halt, of withered, Struggling with the world, struggling with the pulls of YouTube or, or lust or pride or envy or whatever the struggle might be, your own depression or the, the place was full of people just like us. People that would fight with things, people that would struggle with their own mind, feeling unworthy or feeling whatever they would feel. And they'd come to this place and they'd wait for the angel to move. And there was a place that they could change five minutes, could change their life. They'd get into that pool and they'd come out different. Blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, and this is where I want to focus tonight, which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years, for a little bit of time tonight. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew he had been there a long time in that case. He'd been passed over many times, but today was his day, and tonight's your night. In that case, he saith unto him, wilt thou be made holy? He asked him an important question. Do you want to be free? Because if you don't want to, God will keep walking. But if you want to be free. The impotent man said unto him, doesn't even answer the question. He looks to his own circumstance and says, sir, I have no man. I have no friends. Everyone's forgotten me. No one can help me to get there. When he couldn't get to the water, the water came to him. 
when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And you don't have to turn to it. But John chapter 11, verse 39 says, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. God bless you. You can have your seats. You know, there was a man at the well, and he would go to Bethesda, and he might have stayed there. Maybe someone brought him there every morning. Maybe he went there every week. I don't know exactly how that worked. But he would go to the the house of God's loving kindness. He would go to Bethesda. It was a place with five porches, it says, and and it was a whole room, a whole maybe outdoor coliseum-type-looking place from things I've seen online where God would come in certain seasons and at certain times. And people knew that. People knew that God would come there. So they would come with faith looking for the troubling of the waters. I'm sure at the first sign of the water moving, they jumped in. People would jump in and their lives would be changed. Their lives would be healed. But there was one man that was there the whole time. And I can say he was a believer because he stayed there for 38 years. There was a man that had faith that God could. Because he stayed there. He kept coming back. He kept showing up in the morning with his bed and with his mat and saying, God, maybe today's my day. And I'm sure at some days, maybe he didn't think it was anymore. I'm sure some days he thought he felt completely forgotten. He felt like he had been passed over too many times. You know, I bet that in that course of 38 years, from day one to day year 38, things looked a lot different. The scene of people had changed considerably multiple times. People had come and the whole group had been healed and a new group was there. And the whole group had come and the new group was there. And I bet you at times also, someone was healed and then something else went wrong and they came back and they got healed again. But that man had stayed there and was passed over time after time after time. You know, we can come to church many times. We can come to many services where the power of God would come. And we can feel that pull in our hearts. I believe that every Christian, whether you know you're a Christian yet or not, there's a tug in your heart. That when the word goes forth, you can't help but feel it. No matter how cold you are everywhere else, but there's something that's on the inside that doesn't, it's on fire, just a little bit even. It burns. That's God. That's the pull of God. Brother Branham says in the message of this great warrior David in 1955, every man or woman in here that's a Christian knows that something's been on you all your life. When you was a child, you longed to serve God. Something beat at your heart. It was God's election. If you feel the little bit tug, know that you're his. If you feel a little bit of a pull, know that God's called you. Know that God owns you. Whether you've given up, whether you can run but you can't hide, God will pull you around. He'll let you run. He'll let you go. But no, he hasn't forgotten you. You might not fit in. We don't fit in at school. I, I remember I, I kept coming to my mind as I was preparing, so I'll tell the story to my own shame. But I remember one time, we don't fit in at school. Things can go wrong. People can say things. People can swear. And, people can, and it doesn't ever strike. In us, it doesn't feel right. I remember one time I was in a locker room, someone said a bad word, and I, and I said the same thing, and it came out of my mouth faster than I knew it. I was like, oh, and you say, John, it, it can happen, but you repent and you move on, and you say, God, don't let me do that. I say that to say that in my heart, I knew that wasn't right, but in their heart, they have nothing, unless that they're a seed. But in your heart, that pull, you know when they're doing something, 
it, it doesn't fit in with you. If you're at the, on the job and they're going this way, you don't have the same ambition. You might have it for a little bit, but you don't have it. it it's just, it doesn't mean as much to you. You can't fit in wherever you go. No matter if you've been raised in a sinner's home or a Christian home, those moments where you come to an experience where you just know I don't fit in with this world. Something's different. There's a pull. There's a tug that goes to a different level. Peter felt really rough one day when he had denied Jesus publicly. But he could look back and remember that God called him at the beginning and said, leave your nets and follow me. He could remember the times on Mount Transfiguration when the power of God came down and he invited him up and just a couple others to go see something special. We've been in those times. And yet now he was a failure. Now he was cast off. Now he was nothing but Jesus wanted him to know, remember that story when he says, go tell my disciples I'll meet you in this place and make sure you tell Peter I haven't forgotten about him. He can't forget about you. But there was a man that had been laying there for years. That man believed that God could touch him or else he wouldn't have been there. Why would he have stayed that long? And, and, and there was a, a certain man was there, it says in John chapter 5, a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. But Jesus came by. And when Jesus comes by, it makes all the difference. He asked him a question, wilt thou be made whole? In the Amplified, it says, are you really in earnest about getting well? And I want to say that this service tonight, God's put this on my heart, this title for weeks, unforgotten by God. I don't know what it'll happen. I just want to say that, do you want to be made well? Because God's looking for that person that feels forgotten, that feels like they've been passed over, that feels like everything's been upside down, and that God's completely missed them. He asked them, do you want to be made well? And the man looked to his circumstances, and he said, I have no man to bring me into the water. How many has ever felt like people have forgotten you? All your friends have forgotten you, or you got unintentionally forgotten. That's the worst feeling, when you know that they could have thought of you, and they didn't. Or... Whatever it might be. In, in, in our humanity, we have five senses. See, taste, feel, smell, and hear. And in our spirit realm, we have imaginations, conscience, affections, reasons, and memory. And that's the part where we can struggle a lot. Did you know that memory problems are, uh, that, that's a bad thing to have? Ever forget your friend's birthday party? Or ever forget your friend's birthday? That's why social media is a good thing, is those birthday reminders that says, you know, this, oh, perfect, I remember that. But memory is such a, an important thing. You can remember how your childhood. You can remember people that you're with. You can remember the good times. You know what? Even remembering the bad times can shape you in a good way. Your memory is such a powerful channel. God can use that. We talk about how, in the scripture, we talk about the Holy Ghost will bring things to your remembrance. There's something deep down that you might not even know that you know but you know it, and God will bring it back at the right time. Memory is such a powerful thing. The definition of memory, there's some definitions that have come out. Forget means to cease or fail to remember, to be unable to recall or to omit or neglect something unintentionally. Forgot to shut the window before leaving, or I, I, I forgot my keys behind. To omit mentioning or to leave unnoticed to fail to think of or to take no note of or to cease or omit to think of something. There's even the word God forsaken, which would, could talk about being remote or desolate or neglected in miserable appearance or circumstance. But God is a little different than humans. 
Did you know that there's things that God can do? He's all-powerful. He's all in control of your life. He's ordered every step. He's done everything just right and just in a certain way. But did you know that there's certain things he can't do either? He can't lose you. No matter how hard you try to run, he can't lose you. He could never lose you. He's imp- it's incapable of losing you. Did you know he can't ever fail? Not one of his promises. The promises of God. He can't ever fail. If you ever take him at his word, he can't fail on one of his promises. He can't stop loving you no matter how hard he'd try. He'd never find hatred in his heart for you. Not when you've got that call, that pull that he put there in the first place. He couldn't do it. And there's also... God has a memory problem too. Did you know that? If you ever confess your sins, he can't remember them. They're gone. They're completely gone. He couldn't remember them if he tried. There's a place called the sea of God's forgetfulness. You talk about a place to be. That's the place that I want all of my sins. Where he couldn't remember them if he tried. Right in God's memory problem. Right where they need to be. But there's one thing that God can't forget, and that's you. He can't forget you. He's chosen you. He called you from the beginning. He's bringing you all the way to the end, no matter what it feels like now. There was a man that laid in that place for 38 years, but then the water came to him. When he couldn't get into the water, when there was no friend there, when there was no one there, no family, it blows my mind that there wasn't. Maybe there was people there for the first 20 years. I don't know. But he had come to a spot where there was no one left. But then God came, and he said, do you want to be free? Do you want to be whole? And then God came and said, rise and take up your bed. And I'll say tonight, if God were to come by your way and say, rise and take up your bed, take up the thing that you've been laying on, take up the thing that's, the Bible doesn't even say what he fought with. He might not have been crippled. We don't know even. But if Jesus comes by your way and says, here's what I want you to do, would you do it? God has not forgotten you. You know, we think about David, how he was anointed. He was anointed to do a job and sent back to the sheepfold. And for years, he was raising sheep, learning how to be king. He didn't know he was going to, he knew he was going to be king, but he didn't maybe realize now he was going to learn. And God had never forgotten him. And one day he had been doing his job faithfully, he had slain the lion, slain the bear, and one day he got a tap. Okay, we've got, a, we've got an enemy for the children of Israel. That, here's your moment. God hadn't forgotten him, but he also hadn't forgotten God. In those moments, really, the other question is, God's never forgotten you, but what about you? Have you forgotten him? Do you think of him? David would be out there, and he'd be singing the praises of God and writing psalms and doing his part and, and serving God and walking in victory. That's the hard part to do when it feels like you're out taking care of the sheep. That's the hard part to do when it feels like you're away from everyone else. There's a, a quote, I don't have it in front of me, I might be able to find it, but it would talk about Moses in the, in the desert for 40 years. And Brother Branham would say he had lost all thoughts of freedom. He had come to a spot where he had been the top of the world and now he was on the backside of the desert raising sheep and lost all thoughts of freedom. But then a burning bush comes along. And he turns aside to see it. God hadn't forgotten him. God had been just working on him and pulling all the things out of him that he needed to pull out of him and bring him to a spot where he could finally use him, where he could do something with him. Well, there's a, 
Deuteronomy 4, 31. I'll just go through a few scriptures that have jumped out at me that it, it all has to do with died. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them. And in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee or forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto them in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them. Thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And he says, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. He will not forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. God can't forsake you. He can't leave you behind. It's his word. It's his promise. In 1 Chronicles 28, 20, it says, And David said unto Solomon his son, Be strong and of a good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord thy God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Why? Because we don't need anything else. He said, I'll, be, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We can have so many ambitions and so many things that we want to do and maybe it feels like the thing falls apart. It feels like that thing that I've been pushing for and everything that I had aimed for in life, all that I'd gone to school or I'd done this or I'd done that and and, and someone else got it and I didn't. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness. God's with you. God has a plan. God will never forsake you. God will never leave you. You'll look at your life in a year from now and say, I wouldn't have changed a thing because I see the purpose in it now. I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Genesis 28, 15. I love this one. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. He's made us a promise. He's taking us all the way to a rapture. He'll be with us every step of the way. There will be young people in the rapture and that's you. That's you, every single one of you. 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting all your care upon him. Because he cares for you. You know, I was out at a, a sheep farm recently. We'll go right, we'll, we'll finish that one. Thank you, Brother Ethan. We'll, I was at a sheep farm recently, and I got to watch some sheep be born. And it was, uh, it was quite, the, quite the thing to watch. And you talk about the, the parallel of sheep and Christians. They're so dependent on their shepherd. If a, if a mama sheep is laying on her newborn lamb, she doesn't even notice it until you move the mama sheep off the lamb. They're so dependent on the fact that you've got to push them to everything that they do. But there was something I held a lamb for a couple minutes until the mom got too mad at me. And that nature of a lamb was just so strong and yet weak, yet just, I don't know how to describe it, but just how you'd think it would be. This, this little lamb that was just completely surrendered to whatever you, you just was there. No matter what, you, it just was there. And I hear after they get a little older, they get a little bit feistier and a little bit tougher to, to work with. 
But that newborn lamb was just a couple days old. And, and yet the sheep are so dependent on the shepherd. Whatever you do, you'd have to, you have to push them that way and you have to push them this way and you have to take care of them. And We're likened unto sheep and he's the good shepherd. And we are so dependent on him. And there's, there's a story in the Bible, brother, that, that, that Jesus would say, a parable, which of you having a hundred sheep if he lose one of them? Every sheep is so dependent. Doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness. You'd think if you have a hundred sheep, that'd be good. You'd think you wouldn't even notice that you only had ninety-nine left. But God's not like that. God doesn't forget one of them. Which of you doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together all his friends and neighbors, and saying unto them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. When the lost one comes home, when the forgotten one comes home, when God's got you, he's so happy. He's excited for it. And it also says in John, Chapter 10, I think it's verse 2. But he that entereth into the door by the entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. He doesn't forget one of his sheep. He doesn't forget one of the people that he is called to be his bride and his children. There's another story I want to just look at, and that's the story of Lazarus. It's amazing to me. You think about Lazarus. Brother Brandon would say this. 1950, believest thou this? And how he talked about Jesus and Lazarus. We don't realize how close they were. Jesus, when he was baptized, I see, and he says, let's take a little drama again. I can see Jesus and Lazarus, and they were friends, and they played together. I don't know how young that is, but that means young. They grew up together. They were friends. They knew not, they knew not each other. They didn't know he didn't know that, that, was, that Jesus was the Messiah yet, I think is what he means. And, and Lazarus, we're taught, was kind of a scribe at the temple. And maybe his, his sisters made tapestries and so forth and done some needlework. Just a drama picture, he says. I can see Jesus and Lazarus playing together. And after a while, Lazarus comes back and tells Jesus, my, there's a mighty prophet down on the Jordan. He speaks of one greater than he's coming who will baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. You ought to go down and see him. You, Lazarus and Jesus had been fellowshipping. Maybe they were in, you know, 30 years old and they were just young men. And they had they'd grown up together. They had played together. They had done all these things. And now here, Lazarus had been out and he had been and seen John the Baptist. And Jesus knew him. That was his cousin. But Lazarus comes to him and says, there's, there's one baptizing on the river. You've got to see him. And he said that there's a greater one coming doesn't know who he's talking to. Brother, Brother Branham says, and little did he know he was talking to that man. And then Brother Branham says, you don't know who's sitting right next to you today. And in church, I want to say that you might not feel forgotten. Maybe you feel very remembered. Then remember the person next to you that feels forgotten. Reach out to someone. Send them a message. We're in the middle of a global pandemic with isolation requirements and many things. It's hard. There's many people that feel alone. Reach out to them. Do something. Do a video call. Do something. 
that you can do. You don't know who you might help. You don't know who's sitting right next to you today. And in church, that little fellow's made a mistake. That's one of God's sons or daughters, or God's daughters. Don't turn him down. Help him. That's right. Put an arm around him. You don't know what God could do with him if you just help him a little. What if that man at Bethesda had friends that would take him to the pool? It's a question. Brother Branham then said and talked about how Lazarus was the one that brought Jesus to John the Baptist, and then he was baptized. But there was Lazarus that had grown up with Jesus. He was a friend. He was a close friend. So I wonder what it was like when Jesus started to go on the road. And Jesus wasn't around the area so much anymore. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus maybe felt a little bit left out that Lazarus was never called to be a disciple in the same way that the others were. Jesus had these new friends and he was gone. Jesus had these new people that were with him and he wasn't around the same way. He was, there, there was miracles beginning to happen. There was things going on. But here Lazarus started to get a little bit sick and a little more sick and a little more sick. And maybe Jesus had come around. Maybe he knew some of the situation, but Jesus was gone that day when things got really rough. Jesus was out of town. He was away. And they tried to send for him. And you think about that. What it'd be like if your friend, who was God, <laughs> who you'd grown up with all of your life, and, and, and here was God in flesh, and yet he, he, he didn't return their calls. He didn't do what you would think he would have done as a friend. He didn't do, he didn't come and visit. He didn't come and heal him. How would that feel? I imagine as Lazarus took his final dying breaths, he might have maybe felt like maybe I wasn't worthy in the end. Maybe I did something wrong that didn't, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe this isn't the son of, I don't know what he thought. I don't think he thought anything wrong. But you begin to think of what the doubts would be when it feels like God's abandoned you, when it feels like God has completely left you out of his picture. He's off doing other things. He's touching other people. He's working on other people's lives. There's miracles happening that the reports are coming in. But here I am dying. I'm in a spot that I, 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 I'm helpless. I, I have my family around. They, they, they're sad for me. This is tearing them apart. This is tearing me apart. I'm dying, and I can't get a hold of Jesus. I can't get a hold of him. I can't find him. We, can, we sent word. And he, he kept going the other way, I believe the scripture talks about. He went a different direction. He went away. You think about Mary and Martha. Maybe you're not in Lazarus' shoes. Maybe you're in Mary and Martha's shoes today. They were forgotten by Jesus too. This was their brother. This was, I think, the brother that had provided for them and they'd grown up together and they, he was the one, I think, that provided and now, their provider, the person that was helping take care of them, he was dying and then died. And no Jesus. Don't know where he is. Maybe he had a habit of being late. I don't know. But there he was four days late. Four days after, and suddenly they hear word that Jesus is coming. And I, I would say as someone that's ran often late, <laughs> makes me feel good that God can be late and right on time. Brother Andrew said amen, I think, under his mask. God can be late to us, but right on time. His plan is bigger than our plan. What we think should happen when, what we felt like this is what, and God's on a different level. God deals in eternity and we deal in time. God deals with a plan and a purpose and we deal in time. 
God has a purpose that's set in motion, and this lines up, and that goes, and this happens, and that happens, and, and, and we keep counting the seconds and minutes all the time. There's a psalm, Psalm 77. It says, I cried, I can imagine Lazarus, or I can imagine Mary and Martha thinking like this. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran into the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God. That's a good thing. And was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest my eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old. The years of ancient times, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit make, made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity, I, but I will remember the years of the right hand of my Most High. Of the Most High, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? When you begin to remember God and what he's done, when you get a little bit of praise in your step, thinking about what he's done, when you begin to worship him, when you begin to set forth a good confession and remember all that he's done for you, then he starts to act and he can start to move. He was already working on you to do that in the first place. But now that response, that's the part. You draw nigh to God, you take a half a step towards God, he take a half a step back. And he get closer and closer, quicker than you'd have ever thought. We know that Jesus would meet Martha and Mary and they would say, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. And they were, they were right, probably. That was a possible outcome, was healing. But God had a bigger picture than that. God had a bigger picture than that. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he wanted to show it. He wanted to prove it. We can be left sometimes so long where it feels like now it's past the time. Where we went now, now it's too far. And it's four days late too far. But God wants a greater miracle. God wants a greater display of his power. And I want to say this. It wasn't that Jesus simply was, um, that he didn't care at all, like the people thought. All the critics thought that Jesus didn't care and he forgot about him and he couldn't do that one. He, that was maybe one he couldn't heal, so he left. And it wasn't also that God was, Jesus was robotically following the will of God and I must not go that way and I have to go that way and until I come around and then raise him from the dead and then I move to the next mission. It was right down the middle. You know why? Because when he comes, he, he sees Mary and Martha He's coming, there's people around him and they, they see that he, and he's groaning in his spirit and he's coming to his friend's grave. And when they show him the place where he laid, it showed that it wasn't just robotically following something or it wasn't that he didn't care at all, but it says Jesus wept. He cared so much about that moment. He hadn't forgotten him for a second. It probably tore him up that he had to go the other way, but he had to go the other way. But there was a bigger plan in mind. Jesus wept. He was so torn up that he was broken down. 
He groaned in his spirit and he caught to a spot where he cried. I don't know how long he cried, but he began to cry. And the people said, oh, how he loved him. God's not forgotten one of you. He loves you. That's love projected. When he would come and when God would literally cry, Charles Spurgeon said, a, a, a Jesus that couldn't cry, it, was a, it would take a Jesus that could cry that could wipe away my tears. He understands. He understands what we go through because he himself cried. He himself felt such emotion, such care. He cared. Do you care? And the next thing that would happen is he would say, roll away the stone. He would straighten up and begin to realize now this is the place, this is the time. Lazarus couldn't do a thing anymore. Faith comes by hearing. A dead man can't hear anymore. There was nothing left for him in his situation. Now it did take his friends. Now it did take his family around him. Now it did take Mary and Martha to come in as part of this. And, and I, I was listening, Brother Ron, I think Spencer, he was saying, all those people, and I'll say it just my way maybe, but all those people around were watching Mary and Martha. And there were some critics and some believers. And they could see, oh, Jesus must love him. He's crying. And oh, why didn't he come sooner? And oh, and oh. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. And did you know that for Mary or Martha to go up to that stone and roll it away, that was public at that point? That showed that they believed that that guy was saying something that they would go do? They had to be identified with it at that point. They couldn't hide anymore. God said, rise and take up your bed and walk. He had to go do it in front of everyone that was around. When they said, go roll away the stone, they had to not just say, Lord, I believe you're the resurrection and the life, but I want to watch you do it. He said, no, you go roll away the stone. And then, then the power of God can move. You have to do your part. You have to respond to the word. When the word is coming forth, even now, you have to respond to it. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be whole? Then do your part too. You have to begin to look. Maybe it's for your friend. Maybe it's for your family. Maybe it's for, maybe it's for you. Begin to push on that stone. That's the word. That's God's promise. God said to do it. God wanted you to do it. You know, you may, you may be needing God for this or that. You may have seen God moving on every person around you. And it looks like you've been passed by. You might not think you're called. But remember, God's called you. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it. Your feelings are so deceiving. As a human, some of us are, I'm nervous. It's just the way I'm geared. Uh-oh, I know. I can feel like everything is wrong in the world and nothing's really that wrong in the world. It's just my nature. Some people are like that. Other people are geared in a different way. But I can't rely on those feelings. Not if they ever go against the promise of God. If God says, John, you have to do this, I gotta go do that whatever I feel like. It doesn't matter. If God says I'm saved, it doesn't matter what I feel about it. If I've accepted it once, and I'm walking in it, and I can feel like an absolute failure, your feelings are always something that will get in the way if you let them rule you. 
the nerves of the ups and the downs of life and the people this and people that and oh someone said or I feel like I'm always saying something wrong or you have to let that go you have to let that go it's something that will hold you back even when I don't see it he's working even when I don't feel it he's still working and they begin to push the stone back And maybe someone needs to push a stone back. Begin to push in faith and say, God, this is the struggle I have. God, I feel dead here. God, I'm so cold there, but there's a tug in my heart. There's something that's pulling in my heart. Begin to push the stone back. Say, God, I believe your word. God, I know you're true. God, I know you're real. God, I know that there's nothing that can stand by your word. You can't fail. You can't forget me. You can't stop loving me. Hallelujah. God is all-powerful. God is almighty. God will never lose one. And resurrection power is something special. When you're quickened, it means you're brought from death to life. It doesn't matter if you're in death right now. You can be brought to life. A full overcoming power. Something that doesn't go up and down. You, in your flesh you will, but you can override it. There's something in your soul that's anchored. There's something in your soul that doesn't care what's around you. There's something in your soul that knows in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. There's something that's real. There's something you can't even explain. I, I was saying, we've been saying, there's such an atmosphere that's been in the services lately. I don't know how to explain it other than I think it's really close. But there's a presence that comes in the room, that comes in this building, that comes in the prayer closet that says, I think it's going home time. And I was thinking about it, and I was talking to someone and thinking about it after. You won't miss a single thing. If you, You could say that, John, if I surrender now, I'll miss out on this or that. Or if, if the rapture would happen now and I was only 14, I would miss out on this or that. God's got a heaven. We're stuck in our humanity. Brother Branham would say, imagine if you were a pig and you became a human. Would you ever go back to those desires? Would you want those things? That's hard for us to imagine. I think he would say, multiply that by 100 million times will be us to living in heaven. What he's designed. He makes mountains on this earth. He makes valleys. He makes plains. He makes oceans. And he makes us to like certain things. And he creates a beautiful world that suits all of our diverse likes. Don't you think heaven can be a million times a million times a million times a million better than whatever Satan's Eden is? Whatever those pulls of the world, whatever those things that would hold us back and say, well, I got to do this, or I got to do that, or I can't, I can't. Forget it. It's too, it's too late for that. It's not for fear. I'm saying that it's exciting. It's too late for that. You'll never have to see those things. You'll never have to fight the things of the world for another however long. God is wanting to take you and be ready now. I don't know when it is. I don't know. Maybe it's another 20 years or another 38 years. But you won't miss out if you just surrender. Living on earth with the Holy Ghost is so much better than living on earth without the Holy Ghost. 
There's nothing you'll miss out by going to heaven now. There's nothing. You'll never, you, you look, if, if, if someone went on tonight and looked back at the group next Friday, you'd feel sorry for us. It would be no regrets. There will be no regrets in heaven. There will be no place for regrets in heaven. That's one thing we won't be able to do is regret a thing. Brother Branham says in the, 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 the message, this great warrior Joshua, we got too many people saying it's too hard, we can't do it. And then Brother Branham simply says, we can. God is all powerful. No matter what insurmountable whatever, I wish I could get it out like I feel it. It doesn't matter. The failures, they don't matter. God can't remember them when you confess them. The sins, the paths, the things that we can go on, the side detours, God can turn them for good. Let's push the stone away. Let's begin to move. Let's begin to pick up the bed and walk. Let's begin to testify, I am healed even if you don't feel it yet. I am saved even if you don't feel it yet. I am filled with the Holy Ghost even if you don't feel it yet. Is that lying? You're taking God at his word. You're letting go and letting God. You're giving him something that he can act on and step into. That's what we want to do as young people. I, I, I'm going to keep, keep going for one second. I've run out of notes, but I'm going to keep going for one second if it's okay. I was thinking about this, and I thought it would be a whole service, and maybe it will be, but Brother Brandon preaches the message, the, the believer's position in Christ. And I thought about this, the young person's position in Christ. I believe to make a rapture, there will be a level of adoption. Not just the Holy Ghost, but we'll push all the way to a spot where we're walking in a position with Christ. And you know in the scripture, it lays out things for young people. We're, I want to make this so accessible, if I can make it so accessible. I want to make the rapture so accessible and so simple, because it is. The 80-year-old pastor will be judged for certain things. The 14-year-old young person will be held to a different standard. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Young, young men exhort to be sober-minded. Despise not your youth. Let no man despise your youth. There's different scriptures. The young, the young women, likewise, Titus 2 is an example. These are scriptures that are laid out for young people to say, this is what God is looking for. And as we begin to walk in them, I want to say this. We'll have that same, you can speak and go forward to your circumstance. It's not reserved for someone else. It's not reserved. It's for all of us. The young person has a position in Christ. The young person has a place to walk with Christ just the same way. As the pastor or as the, the missionary or it's just a daily walk with Christ. You obey your parents. You have a good attitude about things. You, you, you'll have your struggles. You'll have this. You'll have that. But when the enemy comes, you can straighten up and say, this is my land. This is my mountain. There's no lust that can hold me back. There's no pride that can hold me back. There's no temptation. There's no whatever it might be. Nothing can hold me back because that's my land. That's my mountain, and I'm in my position, and I know where I stand. Yeah. I, hate, I hate the devil. Yeah. I hate the devil. He tramples in on young people for years. Oh, yeah. 
You know, there's young people at 14 that will overcome the things that I didn't. But they will. There's young people at 16 that will overcome the things that others didn't. But they will and they'll make a rapture. You don't have to wait. Push the stone away. Let it all go away. Let it break free. God is all powerful. If you can believe it, he can change it. Five minutes. I'll say it again and again. Five minutes in his presence in your life will not be the same. I'll invite the musicians to come. God knows you. God hasn't forgotten you. There's no devil. There's no sickness. There's no situation. There's nothing. Maybe you can play the song, He Knows My Name. There's nothing that can stop God when he has a purpose, when he has a plan. Maybe we could all stand and just bow our heads. Maybe with every head bowed and every eye closed. and you, uh, My eyes are closed too. You could say, John, I felt forgotten. Or I felt like God's passed over me time and time again. Or I've let him pass over me. I've resisted it time and time again. I didn't believe it time and time again. I didn't know that it could be for me. But there's a pull in my heart. I've recognized that tug in my heart all my life. There's something that's drawn me. There's something that's pulled me all my life, whether I realize it or not, but I realize it now. Maybe you'd want to respond to God and however you'd want to respond to God. Or maybe you've got a situation or something that's just pulled you down, something you couldn't get over, something that felt like God had left that area untouched. God had helped you in other areas, but that area you couldn't get the victory. God doesn't leave things like that. He might leave it for a while. There might be a time where it just plagues you. But there comes a day to deal with it. There comes a time where God says, now we want to deal with that. We want to take care of that. We want to turn it around. We want it so that you're different, that you'd never be the same person that you were before. God can do that. Maybe you feel like everyone else around has forgotten you. You have no friends. Or Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the real friend. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this moment and this time. and Lord, your presence, Lord. Lord, I pray right now that you'd move up and down aisles and into hearts, Lord that you remind people that you're your bride, that you care, that you're with them, that you've never left them or forsaken them, that they've always been in the palm of your hand. Lord, I pray that you'd do whatever you'd want to do, but you would set people free, that you would change hearts and lives, and that you would soften people. And Lord, that person that felt passed by, that you would go by their way tonight. Lord, we commit all that was said and done into your hands. In Jesus' name.
I want to read one more scripture. In Isaiah 49, it says, and I love every scripture about Zion. I think I read one every time at this rate or some of them over the last while. But Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing. O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon the afflicted. And it says this, but Zion said, that's the bride, but Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me and my God hath forgotten me. And this is God's response. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, but I will not forget thee. A human could forget, but God could never. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. He knows your name. He knows your address. I have a maker. I have a maker. He formed my
nothing. God hasn't forgotten you. He's come by to say he hasn't. No matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like. Maybe we can raise it up. Just one key. Oh, way maker, miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, 
feel a thing brother Andrew he's working he cannot forget about you when you think about that scripture brother John I just had my Bible open to Isaiah 49 I thought I'm going to read that if he doesn't read it how hard it is for a mother to forget her own suckling child I can't imagine a mother forgetting her suckling child but he says yeah that, that is possible but I will never <laughs> but I will never forget you Oh my, he cannot forget you. He loves you. You know, I was thinking uh, all the whole service really about a story. It's, it's my oldest son's favorite story, but when I grew up and and I, I was I was just about 10 years old around there and we had we had a church that was a, on an upper floor and and we were told, you know, if, if you go play on the snow pile outside, it's around the corner of the building, you know, you make sure you're back in time to leave. Okay, no problem. Well, I'd always try and sneak out and go play for as long as I could. And, you know, I wanted to play on the big snow pile. It was great fun. And, 
as a kid, you don't think about all the other things. It was kind of a shady back alley and all these things, but you, you don't think about that as a child. So you think, man, there's a big snow pile. I just want to play on it. I remember one Sunday morning, I, my dad had preached, and I was out playing on the snow pile, and there goes, I remember we had this big blue van, this great big blue van, had an 18-passenger van, and it started to drive by. It turned the corner, and it drove by. It was heading home, and I was still playing on the snow pile. And I remember the only thoughts that went through my head was, well, I guess I'm walking home. Dad and mom done forgot me. That was it. I mean, hey, they had eight children, so I, I couldn't hold it against them. They were forgetting one little measly boy who's just 10 years old uh, who was told to be in the van. But I was out playing on the snow pile. But I just started walking home. That was, that was it. I'd done been forgotten, so I thought, that's it. I'm walking home. So I started walking home. You look at it the bad way, you say, well, my parents forgot me. How could this possibly? That's why it's my son's favorite story. He just can't wrap his mind around how mom and dad would forget their child. But, it, but it's possible. It is possible. And, and here, I, I thought, well, I just walking home. It was probably, it was about a 50-minute drive. So probably be, I don't know, maybe an hour walk for a 10-year-old kid. Uh, Sunday afternoon, I thought, whatever, I'm walking. That's it. All right. I got about two, three, four blocks away. And I don't know if you know Brother Matthew Wilson, but he pulled up in his car. And at the time, he had this fancy blue sports car. It was a nice car. I was very, actually quite a rare car. I still to this day don't even know what it was called. But it was, it was a very nice car, and only somebody who was really cool got to ride in that car. I'd never gotten to ride in that car. I'd never been able to sit in that car. I was not good enough to sit in that car. But he pulled up beside me. He happened to be going to my parents' house for lunch. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm walking home. He said, what do you do? What do you mean you're walking home? I said, well, they forgot me, and they drove away, so I'm walking home. That was the deal. If you get forgotten, you walk, so I'm walking. That's fine. And he said, no, you're not walking home. Get in the car. So you say, well, I've forgotten, but out of all of it, I got a better deal. <laughs> I got to ride in the nice sports car all the way back to my parents' house, and I got to show up, and I remember we went up the stairs, and, and, and they were all sitting around the table, and, and Brother Matthew said, you know, you just wait down here. He went upstairs, and he said, you guys forget anything? And they were all sitting around the table, and they kind of looked around and went, I, I don't know. And he said, you're forgetting a child, maybe. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Andrew's spot is empty. Where's Andrew at? He said, oh, I brought him home for you guys. Oh, I knew he'd make it home. <laughs> I had a habit of running away anyway, so they, they knew that, that I'd make it home somehow. But the, the deal was for me, hey, I got the better end. He said, oh, this doesn't look so good. And my point is, you, you might look at your situation and say, it don't look so good. It looks like I'm getting left behind. But maybe because God's got something special for you in store, that you need to realize, Lord, I just need to take a step of faith and recognize that maybe i got to walk home, but I'm just going to start walking and let God do the rest of the story. Amen. So don't worry about maybe it looks so bad. I, I was I was punning that, brother. It just struck me as you were talking about Lazarus. What a, what a walk they were having because here... The, the, the news had come that Lazarus was sick. He said, don't worry, this sickness is not unto death. Then he said, you know, Lazarus is sleeping. And they said, oh, he does good. And he said, no, no, Lazarus is dead. I want you to imagine the, the disciples here. They're walking back to Bethany, and they're thinking in their minds, well, he said this wasn't to death, and now he said he's dead. I wonder how this is going to play out. But they said, it'd be good for us to go too. If you find the next couple of scriptures, if you read that in John chapter 11, they said, you know, I think it's good for us to go with you, Jesus, because we like to see how this all plays out. We want to see the end of this story, because in one case you said he ain't going to die. The next case he said he's dead. 
So which word is true here? We want to know about, about this too, Jesus. What's really going on here? And then they come and then you're like, John was telling the story so phenomenally. And then he starts weeping. What a thought for the disciples that they're, I'm sure their mind is in turmoil. Where they're going, is he right? Is he wrong? Is he dead? Is he not dead? Is he going to die? Is he going to stay dead? What's going to happen? We've seen him raise the, the widow's son back to life. Is Lazarus going to, I don't know. What's all going to happen? But it came to the moment, put your hands on the stone. It came to that moment that you got to take a step of faith on your own regardless of the doubts and everything that's flooded in your mind down through time and maybe God said something to you back here and now he said something over here and you're going, well, I don't, I don't, I don't. Just take a step of faith. Say, Lord, I'm going to walk out in faith and I'm going to take a step and I'm going to put my hand on the stone. Whatever happens, happens. If I get picked up in a fancy sports car, if I got to walk all the way home myself, so be it. But whatever happens, I'm just going to start walking. So be it, Lord. You're going to do that tonight. I'm not going to ask for a great show of hands. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. I don't think that's necessary. I think what's necessary is you to purpose in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to start taking steps tonight. I'm going to start walking tonight. Because even if you don't see him, even if you don't see what's happening, if you don't feel nothing happening, God's working. Because he can't forget you. Amen. Don't you believe that? Amen. 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 Why don't we sing that song? Above all, we'll just sing that and then we'll ask. I'm going to ask Brother Joel Hildebrand if you'd come and close in prayer. Amen. Let's just lift our hands and worship him a little bit. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of
Oh, yes, we are. 